Yeah. I love my HBCU. And Bob? I love it, love it. I love it, love it. I love my HBCU. And man. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. Man. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I hope my team they won one. Yeah. I tune into the ACCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouse. But if they won, she tap. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, yeah. he know what he be talking about. Talkin Mike about. and Charles, Talk. they know what they be talking about. Yeah. Talkin they about. compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot. Yeah. And who the about? So listen to Professor, yes sir. This is Dr. Cavill with Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. No, not so fast. We have another adjunct on the team today. He's trying to get his HBCU hours. I can't say SWAC hours. Previous MEAC hours. Now it's Big South hours. I'm so confused. I don't know. But anyway, we have none other but the great Professor Jamie Walker. How you doing today, Mr. Walker? Professor uh- Walker? I am pleased to be in the lab amongst such prestigious individuals like the great doctor and Professor Washington. So I'm I'm, I'm happy to be in the lab today. That sounds like a setup. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a setup. I, that sounds suspect. <laughs> it could be a setup. How you doing, Mike? I'm good, Doc. How you doing, Mr. Walker? How you doing, sir? I am good. I'm good. Thank you. Man, welcome to the lab. With that said, let's welcome everybody else into the lab. Welcome to episode 193 of Inside the HBCU Sports Lab radio show and podcast, the show that's covering the sporting HBCU diaspora, all things HBCU sports from institutions large and small, from the NEIA to the NCAA. We share insights and information on the HBCU sports culture, HBCU athletic aesthetics, as I like to say to facilitate the story of HBCU athletic programs and the business of HBCU sports. You know how we do it. I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, sitting today is Jamie Walker. Professors are in the building. We're filming from our home studios and sending a signal live to Case Waits, 1230 AM studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer, Ralph Cooper, in the beautiful home of Texas Southern University. As you know, Today's episode of Inside HBC Sports Lab is sponsored by THG Agency, LLC. THG Agency is a company that provides sporting and educational consulting and data analytics. With that being said, I'm going to jump right into it, Mike, since we had all the kudos. We're going to welcome some of those lab listeners out there. Shout out to them. With that being said, before we do that, I'm going to give it to you, Mike, Pastor Mike. What news do you have for us today? Oh, this comes to us from a number of sources. Lots of news out of the day. So uh, the HBCU Legacy Bowl has announced kind of a partnership with famous Jameis Winston. So as you know, Winston has supported HBCUs and previous nominations to Miles College, totaling 100000 in support for the football program, as well as a donation to the HBCU Baseball Classic. So this was, just was announced today. It's a multi-year partnership with New Orleans Saints, uh, with the New Orleans Saints QB and his Dream Forever Foundation. Of course, as you know, Jameis played college ball at Florida State, where he became the youngest player to win the Heisman Trophy, led his team to a, a victory in the 2014 BCS National Championship game during his freshman year. So he was selected first overall by the Tampa Bay Bucks in 2015. He set several franchise rookie wick records but the more important philosophy and as important as uh you know he supported hbcu the previous donations as we mentioned miles totaling hundred thousand and he supported the hbcu uh, uh baseball uh classic he's also hosted numerous free youth camps and social justice seminars at miles college as well so a lot of hope a lot of pride you know say what you want this young man is putting his money where his mouth is the HBCU Legacy Bowl presented by Black College by the Black College Football Hall of Fame is a postseason all-star game that will showcase the top 100 NFL draft eligible football players from the historically black colleges and university. 
It is. It will be played on Saturday, February 19th, 2022, and broadcast live on the NFL Network. Congratulations to Jameis Winston and his foundations. Way to support HBCU athletes. That's some news of the day. That I want to give credit. There were a number of social media outlets that posted this. It was on HBCU Sports as well, .com. Um, it was on HBU Sports uh, News on uh Instagram and Twitter. So a lot of folks are happy to see this. Yeah, no doubt about it. Great information there. Let me go to Jamie Walker and see what he wants to bring to the table. What kind of HBCU news you have out there? Well, well, as far as HBCU notes and and things and whatnot, uh, kind of shining on the MEAC being that I'm an old MEAC guy. MEAC announces weekly volleyball honors presented by Coca-Cola. Um, Norfolk State uh, sophomore Paola Matos was selected as MEAC Volleyball Player of the Week. Um, Norfolk State's Karis Cross was named both Setter of the Week, while Norfolk State senior Nicole Rodriguez was named Defensive Player of the Week. Uh, Matos, 5'11", sophomore, uh, opposite hitter, was um, hit uh, 462 in two matches as the Spartans recorded wins over favorite Coppin State and Morgan State and averaged 3.4 kills per set. In Friday's match against Coppin State, Matos hit 684, going air-free in 19 swings as she recorded 13 kills and total four blocks. Against Morgan State on Sunday, she had 14 kills and a service ace, hitting 333 as she um, had six kills in the final set, including the match point. Cross averaged 9.9 assists per um, quarterback in the Spartans offense that picked up wins over Coppin State and Morgan State in this past weekend. And she opened up the weekend with 36 assists. Four kills, four digs, and two service aces before turning in a 43-assist, eight-dig, three-block, two-ace effort on Sunday against Morgan State. Um, yeah, yeah, just killing it. And finally, Rodriguez. Um, <laughs> Don't you love that term, kills? I love that, that volleyball term. I love it, kills. <laughs> Absolutely. When you hit the ball squarely down, you kill – hey, I don't think I can't think of another word to describe the situation. Yeah. So most definitely. That's, most that's the best stat out there. How many kills you got? <laughs> A bunch of them. Uh, Rodriguez average <laughs> along with dig. It just describes it so well of the game. It, it, it's perfect. But Rodriguez five and um, five, um, five foot five senior um, average 4.5 digs per um, set for the Spartans matching her season high with 24 digs the third highest total in the MEAC this season on Sunday against Morgan State. She opened the weekend with a 12-dig effort and a four-set win over MEAC preseason Coppin State. So a lot of lot of volleyball action in the um, MEAC. Man, that's pretty good stuff there, Professor Walker. I see you jump right into the mix. Pretty good with that. I, I like your skills there. Appreciate it. Make sure that, 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 that we bring you back next semester for the – Course lectures, we might add two to your roster now. <laughs> Indeed. Just throwing you a couple of jabs out there. You know how we do it over here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. With that being said, Mike, what else you got for us? Yeah. Um, you know, we were talking about the the, uh, the MEAG. I might as well uh, match suit and give the SWAC uh, volleyball honors. I know this is football season. So the Southwest Athletic Conference has tabbed Jackson State's Alexis Williams, Alabama State's Logan Horn, and Alexis Ratliff from the FAMU, uh, from FAMU's and uh, FAMU's Irene Carr for SWAC Volleyball Honors. Mm. Offensive Player of the Week, Williams finished the week with a total of 55 kills and 59 points with a hitting average of 36, uh, 36.7% or .367. Her efforts assisted Jackson uh, and um, uh, Jackson State in climbing uh, match wins over uh, Texas Southern, UAPB, and Gramlin State. Defensive player Logan Horn, 39 digs in three matches during the week to go along with nine assists, five aces, and a kill in 10 sets played. Uh, the defensive specialist has recorded four straight League matches with double-digit, hmm, double-digit digs. Huh. Setter of the week, uh, UCAR, Irene UCAR from FAMU, led the Rattlers with uh, an assist with 106 
during their weekend sweeps of Prairie View, unfortunately, Alcorn State and Southern. 106 weekend sweeps in a weekend. That's a whole lot. Of, you know, I can There's play. a lot of brooms. It's a lot of brooms. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> That's a lot. I can play volleyball. I don't think I can come up with that many. And then the newcomer of the week, Miss Radcliffe, Alexis Radcliffe, that is, uh, from Alabama State. Scored 42 kills in three matches over the weekend, along with two blocks and a dig. The junior maintained a .432 hitting percentage in 10 sets uh, for the Hornets, along with a total of 43 points. So lots of action on the SWAC side and volleyball well as they announce their uh, weekly honors. Nice, nice. Let me get out here before I go back to you. Professor Walker, let me give some shout out to them lab listeners out here getting in here. Kay Johnson is in the house, in the building, in the lab. Chuck Hunt, and he says, what's up, Jamie O. Walker? Uh, How do you do? Troy Lamont Coleman is in here reigning HBCU football. A&T in the house. I see A&T, the Aggies in the house. Dr. Roderick Holmes in here giving us some love. Karen Griffin is always. Carl Edmund, Dwight Moore, Chad Cooper. Jalen Riley, G. Boom, Holly is in the house. Boy, they must be excited. They must be getting ready for some of this weekend football. Yes, it's coming down. We're going to get some NEAC conference play. SWAT continues to do his thing. C-I-A-A-S-I-E-C in the house, which brings me to Willie Alex Hine. Good evening. The C-I-A-A is in the lab for the election. Yes, indeed. Let me go back to you, Professor Walker. What you got? What you got? What else you got on top for the lab listeners out there? They want to know what's going on. Well, listen, speaking of those Aggies, once again, J.R. Smith's solid and collegiate golf debut for North Carolina A&T. This is uh, especially from my good people at HBCU Game Day. Said former NBA star J.R. Smith made his collegiate debut for the men's golf team on Monday at the Par 71 68-67 course at Alamance Country Golf Course. And I know they said Phoenix earlier, but it's actually talking about the Elon Phoenix special. So it's actually in North Carolina. But <laughs> but Smith's first collegiate birdie occurred on Par 4. They talked about this opening day being solid, being able to hit solid off the tee, you know, being able to keep it in the fairway, things of that nature. He did slip a little bit. I know they talked about the ways in which, you know, some hornets were in the area and it is kind of significant to the state of North Carolina at this time. But as a team, the Aggies are in 11th place after the first day with an 18 over 586. Elon, the tournament host, is in first place with a 32 under 536. Appalachia State follows them. Elon B team, Rafford and Longwood under uh, 565 round out the top five. Appalachian State and Rafford did not complete this uh, respective second rounds. Said Diego, Diego Gonzalez um, stood as the Aggies' top golfer on Monday. He had a sensational day one, shooting a three under 139 over two rounds to finish tied at 17. He posted 10 birdies over two rounds on Monday. Gonzalez was plus one over the first nine holes before catching fire. Uh, Gonzalez fired off four birdies and carded only one bogey on the second nine. He moved to even par on the par four, 398 yard with a 10th um, on the, with a birdie. He then moved into the red with a birdie on, on a 514 par five, the number 12. Jay, They're doing me, work, just you, doing let work. Let me ask you this about Go ahead. Yeah, you know, as an Aggie person, I, I got to get into this because I thought I think this is hype. This is pretty cool. As alumni, you know, how cool was it to read that J.R. Smith was coming to Aggie Town, if you allow me to use that framework, and wanted to play golf collegiately? I bet you that was pretty cool to read. What, you, what was your thoughts on that? Well, my thoughts originally was it kind of goes with the, the frame of um, a lot of professional athletes who may have not gone. And, you know, he jumped straight out of high school. So it was one yeah. of those things where, you know, he never got his collegiate experience. And so I think the the return to um, HBCU, the HBCU roots in particular, um, was prominent for me just because uh, a lot of people don't understand what it takes to go to an HBCU and the commitment that it takes. And for him to be as prominent as he is, you know, going through the professional ranks in, in the NBA and then returning and actually playing a sport that's not necessarily the most uh, prestigious in that um, in, in that way at A&T, uh, I think speaks volumes. And so it's one of his things that he loves doing. And to do it in North Carolina A&T, 
uh, was significant for me. It, it, it said a lot because you have, you know, Chris Paul enrolling at Winston-Salem State, not necessarily playing the sport, but returning to get his degree at an HBCU. He's from around that area. He's from the Louisville area. So he knows what HBCUs provide and what they um, could benefit from with their presence being at the university. So I was, I was flattered and I was, you know, so happy because that was happening. Well, that is yeah, that, was, that was pretty cool. I appreciate you sharing that. We're about to head into our break. Before this, I want to shout out to G. Boom Holly. This is the, the dedication I love from the Lavinus. He said, just rolled into the driveway, listening on my phone. Got to get inside to get on the computer to watch. You want a bigger screen. That's what you call dedication. Shout out to Karen <laughs> Griffin. Greek news she did. Tough news to hear, but great. She's on top of it. Central State head football coach is no longer the head football coach. So they made a move yeah. there. Uh, early in the season, uh, Central State, and he just got there not too long ago. So interesting to see what's going on there. With that, we'll take our first break, first quarter. This is Dr. Ville inside HBCU Sports Lab. Stick with us. We'll be right back. We're going to come back and get into the poll rankings. We're talking about the marching sport. Yeah, HBCU band update. We're going to see what they think of my marching poll. It'll be interesting to see that. I knew somehow Professor Walker was going to find a way to stick the Aggies in here. He did it well, though. It was a good job. I, to his credit, I know it. I know it. Yeah, that's what the Aggies <laughs> what do. <happened>? What <laughs> that's what the Aggies see, do. Yeah, that's what they do. <laughs> we see, we'll be right back after this break. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High-quality cigars plus personal customer service with Slowburn. Visit our website, www.slowburnwaco.com. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. It's more than a mobile lounge. It's an environment and an experience rich in history, luxury, and personality. An elegant extension of any celebration occasion. It's the perfect escape and meeting place. A space where you can relax or enjoy a shared passion. Have Slowburn plan your next big event or before you are planning to celebrate your win over your athletic rival, you can shop our collections at www.slowburnwaco.com. But if they want to tap, uh, I'm going to do the dab, yeah. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want to love yeah, and who the ball, so listen to Professor Yes, sir. Yes, sir. and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. This is Dr. Ville with Inside HBC Sports Live with Mike Washington and Jamie Walker. Fred Whitty says, tread lightly as you speak on volleyball. Those girls are tough, no doubt about it. A.D. Drew, he wants to jump in here and get you on the spot right away, man. We're going <laughs> to tell everybody to go see your comments on Brian and A.D. Sports Rap. You got in there, but he wanted to say, what's up with A&T? Attendance, how many Aggies fans will make it to Kennesaw? We might get in that little uh, second half because we are going to talk about that matchup. That's a big one. Uh, Troy Lamont Coleman says, it's Aggieland or Wakanda. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Dr. Brian Holmes. Roderick Holmes, that is. J.R. Smith playing golf is like pledging grad chow. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's pretty good. That's pretty. I had to sneak that one in. Well, let's get into the poll rankings. Let's get into the poll rankings. Let's see what you say. Bring up, let's bring up 10 through 6. We're going to start there. We'll break that down, 10 through 6, and see what that looks like. Let me know your thoughts on this. We're going to start with number 10. Miles College, mild upset. They had an upset with the band battle they had this past weekend. Benedict took it to them. Not only on the field with a major upset, they did it in the band as well. Miles College falls from number 8 to number 10. They take a tough loss. They go to one and one in terms of their conference matchups, but still on the board. Receiving votes, I will say this, North Carolina AT, Blue and Gold Marching Band, one and one on the season. They didn't finish in the top four, remember when they came in 
Houston. So that's why they had their first loss. They got the win over North Carolina Central, which is always big. But the problem you're going to have with A&T, at least in the band-wise, is they don't have real competition that you can judge in terms of the band. A little different than what you do in terms of sporting context. You got number nine, Alabama – well, let me finish that. North Carolina Central, uh, the Sound Machine Marching Band is behind North Carolina a and I know the Aggies are like that. That's where they believe the Eagles should be. That's that's not nice, though. Edward Waters <laughs> Marching Band uh, is also receiving points as they started off off, but they kind of fell off as other folks are getting it going. Number nine, not ranked Alabama State Mighty, Mighty Marching Hornets. You know, they're 2-1. They had a tough loss to fam you down there, but they got some house. And uh, random numbers again, they got a big win, so they jump into the poll this week. Number eight, Alcorn State, the sound of dynamite, fought off Grambling to get it done. They go 2-0, and 1-0 in terms of swag play. They had that win over Central that gave them that loss earlier in the season, not ranked there. You also have Kentucky State, the mighty marching Thoroughbreds at number seven, 3-0. They just continue to get it done in their matchups, including that upset they had over Tennessee State that surprised a lot of folks earlier. Uh, 24 points. They stay at seven. Then you have Norfolk State, the Spartans, Legion marching band, two and one on the season. That big win over Hampton they had in terms of the bands going on there. And the Battle of the Bay gets it done, but they remain at number six. Let's get into the top five where people really say it gets interesting. Let's see what it goes down in terms of the top five. What do you think is in the business for the top five? Starting at number five, we have Bethune Cookman, the marching band. They're two and oh. They remain at number five. At number four, Prairie View A&M, the marching store, 2-0, one first-place vote. Number seven there at number three. Yeah, Jackson State, the Sonic Boom of the South, they continue to get it done, three and one, two first-place votes, 78 points. Number three, they got that big win as the football team demolished Alabama A&M, and they found a way to get it done against Alabama A&M band as well. Number two, Southern, the human jukebox, 3-0. Uh, they get it done against Texas Southern, as we said the last weekend, as they went up to Arlington. Not on the field, but at least in the band in halftime. Fifth quarter, they get it done there. One first place vote. And number one, FAMU, the marching 100, 4-0. They just continue to stretch out that lead a little bit. Two undefeated teams, as FAMU and Southern. It might be looking for a showdown a little later in the season. We'll see if they can hold up. But that one will be a big one. But at number one, you have – the marching 100, as we said. Let me go to you first, Mike. What are your thoughts in terms of the marching sport, the top 10 band rankings for week number six? Dr. Cavill, in the words of uh, Drumline, I'd like to challenge your poll based on musicianship. You going to drop the sticks? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, come on. So I, I like fam the March of 100, but, uh, if you see them perform and I have to go back to one of my band experts, female Shanetta Haskell, who was a drum major at Prairie View A&M, who's very objective, but very analytical. Flam, you just drowned you out. They got a lot of folks. They got a lot of horns. So when we talk about musicianship, okay, I'll go with the human G box. Maybe they can be number one, the sonic boom on the South to me. As much as I hate to say it, that little school in Mississippi, they should probably be number one if you judge on musicianship, marching, and performance. And I think Prairie View should be a little bit higher rated as well. So I, I, I challenge the poll quite a bit. I'd like to see who the voters are, and I challenge <laughs> musicianship. <laughs> they, are, they are drum majors, man. They are band members over the years. How are you going to argue with the band members? You're going to lose that one all the time. You know that, right? Well, band members can challenge each other on musicianship. <laughs> That's true. That's true. So let me go back a little bit because it's been a while since we did this, but you're making me nervous. I thought you said something different. So did you think that Jackson State defeated FAMU in terms of week number one, or are you just saying since then that since Jackson then. State has been more consistent? I'm saying, I'm saying since then. Okay. All right. Let me go over to Jamie. See what the professor over here on this side getting. Let's see if he gets invited back or not. No, just kidding. Tell us what. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about the top ten in terms of HBC margin Well, I, I think that um, number one, Miles getting into the equation uh, is good. I'm lo- I'm loving that. I mean, even though they lost the game and got beat thoroughly, uh, the band is still uh, where it's at. 
Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm glad they cracked the top 10 and it's still there. Um, as far as the top five and moving into the top five, um, well, first let me say about my Aggies again. Um, yeah, the competition will be, uh, will be stiff, you know, as, as Brian and AD once suggested, maybe the rest of the um, team should leave their bands at home and just let ANC have the entire show. Um, but, <laughs> but along with that, um, Jackson State, I think by proxy, Jackson State could very well jump into number one. And the reason being is because, I mean, after that beat down by the football team, the band couldn't help but to be <laughs> magnificent. Bingo. So it was just, you, you know, so, so you know, they were going off of that energy that the football team clearly exuded. So I think there is um, a case for Jackson State to be one. Yeah, these folks out here. I love it when genius comes to the forefront. Yes, I love it when genius comes to the forefront. Yeah, Mike. I don't know if everybody feel your genius. They said, Steve Hollis said, you really haven't heard, fam. Mike, and then what he said, he said, man, you got Jackson State number one, please. Mike, who is that? Jackson? Jackson? Yeah, I noticed they didn't put the final score on the field, though. Oh, no. <laughs> no, but they did win the fifth quarter. I will say this: they did win the fifth quarter. But yeah, no, nah, that's nice. Jukebox, uh, they they are many years, many years putting that halftime on the score. When they first did that on NBC, they got yeah. a lot of house for that one. Even they had me back in the day. Uh, I was in New Orleans at that time uh, with Mike. We're not gonna tell those historical stories. Those will remain silent over the years. We'll take those to the grave. But yeah, we are in the raw semester, right off. Bourbon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We do it big. We used to do it big. And uh, we were watching it on TV, and we was like, ooh, that's nice. That's nice. But with that being said, what do you think about in terms of the potential with all the bands that are in the SWAC? I want to ask this to you, Professor Walker, about the SWAC itself doing its own Battle of the Bands. I think think it can work. Absolutely. Um, I think culturally it goes with what the SWAC has always been. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know, I've been, a you know, MEAC, I, like I said, I'm raised in North Carolina uh, and, and been around the MEAC for a long time. And it's not to, to, to disparage anything that the MEAC offers, right. more so than anything. Uh, I think the SWAC band culture um, is second to none. So it's one of those things where it's part of the everyday experience when you go out on a Saturday uh, Saturday afternoon. Uh, they look forward to the band as much as the um, as the actual game. And just take it back to the summertime when they weren't allowed to actually travel in the spring. In the spring, you're talking about some upset people not being oh, yeah. able to travel. You know, so yeah. so that in itself tells you. Just how mad, you know, it, Dr. Charles McClellan has been coming up roses in just about everything he's done as far as moves. But that one w- was the biggest controversial move I actually saw uh, this spring. So that just tells you just how significant the bands are in the swag. Yeah, and part of that, it, it, to your point, there was a whole week where they took up all the talk about the bands not participating. Then we got back to some football, but there was a week where that was the big thing. And then he got some of those points back. When they had to make the tough decision and worked out when they played in Jackson, they invited both bands. They couldn't march, but they got the same stand. People were lathered up and excited about the fact that, yeah, we're going to have a little bit of band. And it actually made the SWAC championship game a lot more than it could have been in that framework. So that was important there. So I thought that was pretty cool in terms of what's going on. Before we go into break, we're going to come back. We're going to look at some matchups. We'll get into some good ones, both at the mid-major and major division level. Mike the Lee wants to get into the action. See, week seven, SWAT television schedule and prediction. He has Jackson State shuts out Alabama State 27-0. He has Prairie View 29, Bethune-Cookman 18. FAMU 41, Alabama A&M 21. He has Grambling 36, Texas Southern 28. Alcorn State 36, Mississippi Valley 20. UAPV 38, Southern 32. Interesting, interesting. Give me Very your weekend pick. Give me your weekend picks, and I want to know what your picks are for AT and Kennesaw State. Give me some of that in my life too. I want to know that one. With that, we'll take this break, and we'll be right back with the second half of the show as we get into the third quarter. This is Doctor Real inside the HBC Sports Lab. 
with Mike Washington and Jamie Walker. Stick with us. This is Carlos Brown letting you know that we're on the move. You can now catch the Carlos Brown Show beginning this July on the Black College Sports Network each and every Saturday from 11 to 1 Eastern Time. That's 10 to 12 Central Time. Same time, new place. On Facebook at the Carlos Brown Show and Black College Sports Network. Online at www.mybcsn.net and on the BCSN app, available on Google Play and the Apple App Store. For 200 years, Montgomery, Alabama has been making history by people who had the courage to stand up for change. Today, this riverfront city has been reborn, embracing the past and looking forward to the future. From the National Memorial for Peace and Justice to the stage of the Alabama Shakespeare Festival, this is where history was and is made. We are proud to call Montgomery home, and together, we can be the change. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna love them. So listen to Professor, yes sir, and pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill with Inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, sitting in for Charles Bishop as he is on assignment. There's none other than Jamie Walker. With that being said, you know, he has some great experiences. He's called on television at that ESPN, some of these SIC games. So we're going to do just that. Usually we have our HBCU mid-major classic game of the week. No classes this week, so we picked the homecoming game. Because, you know, in a lot of parts, homecomings are their own classic, if you would. The HBCU mid-major homecoming game of the week in the SIC features Clark Atlanta Panthers coming off a big win. They're just 2-4, and four, but they did have a big win. They're 0-2 in a conference race. They're at number three, Savannah State Tigers 5-1-3-0. Obviously, number three in terms of the rankings as we put out on Tuesday. Dr. Bill's inside the HBCU Sports Lab rankings there. So we have Clark Atlanta going on the road to number three. Is there a chance of an upset or was Savannah State do what it's doing in terms of setting up what should be an intriguing matchup in a couple of weeks against Albany. I'm going to actually go to you first, Professor Walker. Let me know your thoughts. Well, I, I did call um, their game um, on the Black College Sports Network uh, for uh, their game against Allen. And what I can tell you is um, it was a surprise the way that Clark Atlanta actually came out uh, firing early. Uh, they finally settled on one quarterback, which was um, Elijah Odom, who ended up winning SIAC Player of the Week um, offensively. And well so, deserved. yeah, it would much, much well deserved. He was able to calm the offense down. They actually had some continuity. They had some, you know, really, really good throws in the passing game. He was able to take off on foot as well, really just keep the offense going. Um, but that pass rush of Clark Atlanta w- was, you know, starting to round into shape as well. Do they have a chance against um, Savannah State? Probably not. I think it'll be close early, uh, but I think that two-headed monster with Devon Gibbons and uh, D'Angelo Durham will, will you know, eventually pull away. I think Clark, again, th- they have an incredibly young team, incredibly young team. If you look up and down that roster, you're talking about freshmen and sophomores, along with not playing last year and a third-year coach who's technically in his second year. Um, really getting an opportunity to establish himself um, within that team. Uh, I think they'll make, they may be able to keep it close early because I think they're rounding into, into shape continuity-wise, but I think uh, Savannah State will be too strong for them in the end. Certainly. We won't make you call the game and give you an actual update as you working with the SIC, so we won't do that to you. But with that being said, let me go to Professor Washington. I want to know his thoughts on this Clark Atlanta. Savannah State matchup between the Panthers and the Tigers. What do you say, Mike? I'm not as optimistic. Um, I think <laughs> Savannah State, <laughs> whose average margin of victory is somewhere north of 30 points, with their point, they they are at the tops of the SIEC in in and yards per game uh, rushing. So they have a very solid front. I think your point is very valid that Clark Atlanta. Uh, is fairly young. We we can't negate the records, the standings that you know Clark Atlanta is is zero and two, two and four. Savannah State sitting at just one loss, um, and 
that loss in and of itself was against a, a very tough Valdosta state in which they lost by about 40 points. Ever since then, they've been outscoring their opponents by an average 30 to 35 points, you know, with one exception. So uh, I think this, you know, maybe Clark Atlanta gets off to a good start, but you've got to go with Savannah State just because they're solid on both sides with the, with the, uh, with the offense and defense. And, you know, their position is, you know, they have a balanced attack. I don't know how Clark Atlanta's defense is. So it's a, Somebody said optimistic. Nice. I'm, not, I'm just not as optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> so you, any non-believers out here? Yeah, just point to Mike Washington. With that being said, <laughs> I'm going to stick with you, Mike. We're going to go over to Oklahoma, the furthest HBCU, uh, heading west in Langston, Oklahoma. Is, it, w. is this another State. Langston question? Yeah, yeah. It's not another Langston question. We're going to break down they, their homecoming game. Um, and this is actually a pretty good game. This is the independent non-conference mid-major division game of the week. Um, October the 16th, as you know, this Saturday at 2 o'clock Central Time. They take on Texas Wesleyan Rams, historically white college, as you may or may not know, who is 4-1 overall, but also 4-1 in the conference race. So one of the stiffest competitions that Langston certainly has faced thus far. They are number one in my ranking, Langston Lions, who are 5-0. Undefeated on the season, four and zero in the conference race. So, first major test. They haven't been home for homecoming. Great place to have it. Interesting this matchup, Mike. What are your thoughts in terms of Langston in this game? Can they keep it going, or will they come down to earth with this young team? I, I, I you know, this is a good question. This I've always said that you know, for Langston, you know, their strength of schedule to me just really hit an apex here against Texas Wesleyan, who you mentioned is four and one averaging, you know, maybe 300 yards of offense per game. You know, Langston is averaging 30 points per game. They they themselves are, are not doing too bad. So I think it'll be a good test for them. I'm kind of on the fence with this one, um, but I'm going to say that, that Langston pulls this one out just because of their balance. They're the number one defense in the Oklahoma Sooner Conference. So they, they put some good stops. I look for them to pull this one out. Thank you for that, Mike. Let me go to you. Jamie, what are your thoughts on this? This game will be interesting because I was looking at just their conference schedule going forward. They have pretty much played, you know, teams they could beat easily, and they have. And and so I think they are facing the meat and the teeth of their schedule. So it'll be interesting just on the standpoint of playing up, can they get this team up? I actually saw the interview um, you all had with coach and you know even though they had a young team he's optimistic and bullish on what they could do going forward so I think they do pull this out just because of what their offensive prowess is able to do and along with with just the way that conference scores I think I think it'll be close I think by three I think by three. Oh wow nice one nice mm-hmm. one pulling out the score there before we go to this break, let me sneak this in here. We don't have an HBCU Major Division Classic game, but we do have another homecoming. So we're going to go to HBCU Major Division homecoming. We're going to stay in the swag over towards the west. Uh, Grambling, Louisiana, Eddie G. Robinson Memorial Stadium. Two teams that are right there in the mix. Obviously, Texas Southern had a big win against Southern next week. Now they go on the road. The Grandma State that had a tough loss as they traveled to Alcorn State that had their homecoming, uh, got out in front of it, made it close at the end, but could not quite get it done after they had that major upset against Alabama A&M, taking them from number one a couple of weeks ago. So I want to know your thoughts on this game. I'm going to stick with you, Professor Walker. Tell me, what are your thoughts in terms of this? Texas Southern hitting the road after two big wins, obviously the biggest one in Arlington against Southern, found a quarterback. Most people will acknowledge that no matter what you say. Defense against a great offense. Which way are you going, especially on the road? I'm going to go I'm gonna go out on a limb and, and say Texas Southern has a fighter's chance. And the reason being is because I think Grambling may have felt their own, you know, it may have been feeling themselves a little bit and had a, had a letdown. Um, and I think everyone was singing the praises of having this new offense be, um, have some continuity that they found a quarterback. 
Um, but I think, you know, if you sleep on on any opponent, especially when they have some kind of momentum, uh, you can get beat. I think this is close. It's too hard to call right now. And I think Texas Southern, you know, even though, you know, one opponent, you know, of course they beat handily and was supposed to. But um, it's hard to pick it just because I I don't underestimate how momentum gets into um, (laughs) how momentum factors into the game. You say I got to wear a mask. You know what? I'm going to go grambling because they're playing it. Grambling because they're playing it home. (laughs) Got the grambling mask on. Mike, what did you see in this matchup? Do I keep the grambling mask on or are you going to tell me switch? Go ahead, break nah, it down. No, nah, no, nah, you better take that baby off. Woo! Uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I think Texas Southern is, is riding a wave. I think, I, I think you bet you basically alluded to it. They have found an answer in the quarterback in Andrew Brody. Uh, who is number five already in the swag and passing. And he really hadn't played all the games the other quarterback are playing. He's 137.6% efficiency. Um, I think the team has rallied behind him. He's gotten that offense going. They'll, they'll continue. Texas Southern has this propensity to do, to uh, improve at the end of the year. They get better and better and they become more and more of an X factor and some of their games can serve as major data point. That Southern game, big-time data point. They're turning the corner, and Andrew Bodie has been a big piece of that with his leadership, but also receiving Kalen Davis, who's averaging 100 yards per game, receiving second in the swag. You think about all the receiving cores you have with Prairie View A&M, with uh, Alabama A&M, Odul, Alaire, uh, Abraham, you got Kaylin Davis for Texas Southern, who's like number two. And lo and behold, you got another you got another receiver. Um, and name escaped. Oh, Jiren Johnson, who's actually come stepping up. So Texas Southern has seemed to find these pieces. I'm gonna go with them on the road, pulling this one out. So you can put the Texas Southern mask on for me. Got it on. Let me sneak one more in here. We'll come back after this last break, and we'll get into the Kansas State hosting A&T because I want to break that matchup down. We got another uh, SWAT game that I want to see you all break down before we go to this last break. That one is FAMU on the road at Alabama A&M. I think this is a fascinating game just because of the direction of the two teams, what it means in the uh, race in the Western Division. So I want to know, um, sticking with you, Mike, what are your thoughts? Well, you broke down this game um, Tuesday. We didn't get too deep into it, so you can touch on it a little bit. FAMU on the road at AM. which direction are you go? FAMU on the road at AM. Uh, I'm definitely going uh, FAMU with this one. Um, you can't go against defense. Defense wins championships. Oh, by the way, I'm sorry, pop quiz. Who's got the number one defense in the swag? Or number two, I'm sorry, now. Fam, you. <laughs> so you, you, you. you put, throwing out a pop quiz for real. <laughs> yeah, I'm throwing out a pop quiz. So I'm going, I'm going, I'm going with fam. You actually, it's flip flop. Fam, you. Uh, what? Eleven points. They're ever. They're allowing eleven points per game. You know. So I'm going with fam. You on the road. Willie Simmons, who coaches in all phases of the game. Offense, defense, and special teams. The only team that really lost by to Jackson State by a point, a tit for tat battle. Their defense, Jackson State's defense, two best in the swag. And that's the same type of defense that AM faced just last week. And you saw what happened. So, yeah, that wasn't pretty. Same type of result. I'm going for you on the road. Jamie Walker, what do you got? Who do you got? Uh, Alabama AM. I got to ride that same way from FAMU. I think, it, it, you know, football a lot of times are about matchups. And so that FAMU secondary against those receivers uh, for Alabama a and even though they are phenomenal receivers and they do well with um, what goes on offensively, I think the pass rush also of FAMU is, will be able to get to a, a quill glass. So I think it's one of those things, again, where uh, it's just a bad matchup overall. Uh, Coach Willie Simmons during SWAT Media Days talked about 
you know, FAMU oftentimes gets notoriety for their offense. The defense is the one that, that you know, he said would stand up because, you know, breaking in a new quarterback, the defense was easier to get ready, and they had some players on defense. So I think this is just a bad matchup for Alabama A&M um, all around. And then coming, you know, after a thorough beatdown, you think a team would get up. I think they took their heart. I think Jackson State, you know, did a lot to take take their heart. I don't know if Alabama and A&M can recover. I think FAMU takes it. Man, he said he took their heart. Wow. Yeah. Um, Dr. Holmes sneaks in here and says, body, quarterback of Texas Southern University, was a truth in high school. Better stats than Derrick King. Dr. Holmes follows track and football at the high school level. Very big there. Let's get into our last break before we come back and check out this A&T Aggies matchup, as I promised. This is Dr. Ville inside HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Jamie Walker. We'll be right back out of this break. Stick with us. Sugar Chateau Desserts is a specialty bakery located in the Charlotte, North Carolina metro area. We will create delicious and one-of-a-kind treats for any occasion. Sugar Chateau is currently shipping cakes in a jar, offering a variety of different flavors in a single-serve container that can help you celebrate in accordance with social distancing. Place your orders today by calling 803-526-7895 or visiting SugarChateauDesserts.com. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk, chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Oh, we've got a Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they wanna love that and who the ball. So listen to Professor Yes Sir and pay attention because he gon' teach the lesson. This is Dr. Bill with Inside HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Charles Bishop's out on assignment. I think he's up there in Jackson, Mississippi getting his homecoming in, so I'm not sure if you can call that a real assignment. That, that sounds like you're cheating a little bit, but I understand. <laughs> I understand it is homecoming. That's what we do with HBCU homecoming. We come early, stay up late, and we hopefully after the end of the game, we celebrate. Well, after the, regardless of what happens in the game, we still celebrate. With that being said, I'm sticking with you, Mike, but then I'm going to let you get into this, Walker. This is the game. That we've been talking about. This is one of the reasons that A&T moved in a lot of ways, at least what they said, the type of matchup to get this in. You got a top 25 team in Kennesaw State who you go on the road with HBCU's number 16. Many people think A&T should be ranked higher. Some polls do have A&T higher. They are 3-2 and two on the season, 2-0. and oh. They go on the road with Kennesaw State, historically white college for those that don't know, 4-1, 1-0 one. One oh in the conference race. Uh, Kennesaw State has had success in the Big South. Uh, over the last couple of years, getting to the playoffs, not much sense in the playoffs. Uh, but then you also have the fact, uh, Mama, they'll play them a little later, but this is the first one. Special teams player, if it comes down to a kicker, I certainly going to go with the Aggies. Special teams player of the week, Andrew Brown has been getting it done as he's named special teams player of the week the last couple of weeks, multiple times for sure. With that being said, Mike, what are your thoughts in terms of this matchup featuring the Aggies? North Carolina a I think it's a major data point for the North Carolina Aggies because uh, I believe Kennesaw State, I believe that 3-1, 4-1 in the conference, they are the number one defense in the conference. They're, tw- they're, average, they're allowing their opponents 20 points per game. So, you get, you, you know, yeah, it's at Kennesaw State. Um, so, you have to add – so, that's one data point is that the defense for Kennesaw State – Appears uh, appears pretty strong. 
historically they performed well. I don't think, you know, they, they seem to flutter once they get into the playoff or get into a bowl situation or after the regular season. The, the other thing is, you know, you wonder, you know, from a leadership, how well the number three passer in the league, uh, Jalen Fowler, is going to do against a very good defense. It's probably the best defense he's faced all year in that conference. So you wonder how well their offense will will, will go. So um, I, I, I got to give the edge, and it's a slight edge. I think it'll go tit for tat. I think it'll be a close game, but I have to give the edge to Kennesaw State. Professor Walker, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Wow. Uh, I think you are dealing with two teams that love to run the football. Uh, head coach Brian Bohannon um, from Kennesaw State is a direct descendant from the Paul Johnson tree of Georgia Tech um, when no, and, you know, Georgia Southern. So they're going to run the option, a true triple option team. And so what this says for A&T is that it is true assignment football on defense. It's not one of those squads where they're going to throw it a whole lot. I think they only have 55 attempts the entire season. So it's one of those things where um, if A&T's defense is disciplined, they can hang into this contest. But I think the X factor in this will be Jalen Fowler, only because, um, you know, Kennesaw is susceptible to the big play in relation to scoring. I think the average scoring of, of them is 29 points while they're giving up 20 points a game. So it's not a, a, a so much of a significant difference when you compare that to yardage that they are able to give up the touch. Um, they give up points easily, maybe not a whole lot of yardage, but they are susceptible to the big play. Also, if you look at and see how that game against Hampton actually took place, Hampton was in the ball game for a while and probably could have taken it. But I think, um, you know, in the end, when it comes to time of possession for Kennesaw State running that option, again, you don't have an, a lot of opportunities to score. So if A&T is able to actually get the ball over the top, take the top off the defense, because oftentimes, you know, you build your defenses up to stop your offense, which means they are more of a, a I stop the triple option type of defensive setup for Kennesaw State. If Jalen Fowler can get it to, re, to his receivers early, A&T can very well win this ball game. Uh, I think you have a, a bevy of running backs, um, you know, include, you know, Tootin has been carrying the load really all year, um, even more so than Jermaine Martin um, in the running game. So I think, you know, you can do both, but it's going to take Jalen Fowler to actually win this ball game for a and I'll say a and wins by seven. Yeah, Ooh, close. One, 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 one more point, Doc. One yep. more point. Uh, Kennesaw State's two running backs. They they have a running back by committee. So mm-hmm. they- Gonna beat you up with two fresh running backs, and I think that's what you were getting at, Jamie. Uh, so Xavier Shepard and, and Kyle Glover, they, it's like a one-two punch. And I don't know if the A&T defense is ready for that. I think it's gonna be close because Kennesaw State's not a highest power score, and they, like you said, they run right. the ball, but they gonna they gonna hit you with the run, hit you with the run. Can that A&T defense stay against this kind of offense? And if they get behind, you know, you are going against a very good defense. I think it'll be close, but um, I, I still kind of give the slight edge to, to Kennesaw. With that being said, let's go to this uh, bonus one, independent non-conference major game of the week number two. This one is in Nashville. Nissan Stadium, 2 o'clock, ESPN Plus. That uh, Aggie game is also on ESPN Plus. I want to throw that out there. This is Tennessee State Tech, Golden Eagles, Historic White College, 2-4, and 1-1 one and one, um, in their conference, if you would. They're going against no, number nine, Tennessee State Tigers, at 2-3, 0-1, had a week off. Their last game, they had the big win against Austin P. Did not count in the conference race. They play them twice. The next one will, which is at home. But one of the things that's intriguing at me, this is a chance where you get to see a team play HBCUs back-to-back. And I'm interested to see as Central lost to Tennessee State, give me maybe some indication where Tennessee State is, especially under uh, new coaching regime, Eddie George. So I'm interested in this matchup. So I'm going to stay with you, Jamie. What are your thoughts in terms of this Tennessee Tech and Tennessee State matchup? Well, this is kind of hard to predict, too, just because, you know, I looked at that, uh, you know, some of that Central and Tennessee Tech game, and – I don't know if Central gives you a good enough look to really 
um, at this point kind of go with, with what they'll do against Tennessee State. Um, Central's inability to run the ball anymore really doesn't give you much. So I think Tennessee Tech really stacked up um, against Central's offense. So it's going to be a similar game plan against um, Tennessee State only because, you know, at the quarterback and, and not to say it's quarterback by committee. I think Jeremy Higbottom, you know, has established he is the man. But I think what they do offensively is predicated on how they, how well they run the football. So I think Tennessee Tech um, showed that they have a, a really stout front seven. So I think it'll depend on whether or not um, Tennessee State can run the football effectively. And, and right now it's too close to call. I, I'll give the slight edge to Tennessee Tech. Mike Washington, what do you have with this Tennessee Tech at Tennessee State? Yeah, I, I got to go with them uh, for for similar but slightly different reasons. Um, uh, I don't know how strong or how fluid the you know the Tennessee State offense is. They've had some inconsistencies, um, so I don't know how consistent they are going to be against the number three and number four defense in that conference. Um, so I got to give them, although I don't know Tennessee, Texas, that would, they're like number, they're like almost dead last in, in scoring offense. So it's not mm-hmm. like a really good offense, uh, all go offensive juggernaut. They play a consistent game. They're, you know, they're a good rushing pass balance sort of team, but the inconsistencies in the offense, you know, quarterback was it for Tennessee state. I just have to give the edge to Tennessee tech. Good one. All right. We're going to go into rapid fire. Jackson State, Alabama State, sticking with you. Who do you have in this matchup? <laughs> Mike? You, I'm going I'm going prime time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going I'm going with Jackson State on this one. Jamie Walker, what do you got? Oh, this is the the this is the eight this is the uh the Jackson State payback tour. Um, number two, because of the draft picture that they put up in the spring at Alabama State, I was there. Uh, Jackson State by a whole lot. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All corn and Valley. I'm going to stay with you, Jamie, because we know what, what Mike might say. We'll see if what, Valley? Uh, <laughs> uh, you, you know I got to give it to the Braves by, by, yeah, by two touchdowns at least. This is 2Ttickets.com. If you need your mask, get your mask. You can go to tttickets.com. Mike Washington. Valley? We talking <laughs> Valley? We talking <laughs> Valley? <laughs> like, oh, well, I'm, no, I'm going with Alcorn, dude. <laughs> wow. He just, he, you just mean, man. You mean when you talk <laughs> about that. Uh, you said, talked about the Grambling, Texas Southern. We got Southern and Pine Bluff. Sticking with you, Mike. Who you got? Woo. High bluff or Southern? Interesting. Uh, masked that's, up, people. Masked up. Yeah, uh, that was going to be tough. Uh, I think I think uh, Pine Bluff took Southern in the spring, um, but I think Pine Bluffs had fallen off some a little offensive uh, a little bit. They lost some receivers. Skylar Perry's still going to do his thing, but um, I still will give the uh, the edge to Southern. With that, Jamie Walker, who you got? Yeah, but I think both of these teams are disappointed because I think they thought both thought they would be higher. I'm going to go Southern. So going Southern, man, ruin another homecoming. Last one, I guess you got that uh, prayer view on the road, if you would, to Bethune Cookman. You got prayer view? Bethune Cookman. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah, prayer view. Mike? I, I'm, I'm, go, I'm going with the Panthers, baby. I hear you. That'll do it. Let me ask one more. Morgan State, South Carolina State. Mike, who you got? Uh, Bulldogs. Jamie? Oh, yeah, South Carolina State. Appreciate you coming on with us. Thank you for listening to Inside HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you share a podcast with your friends and colleagues. For all the lab listeners out there, tell me who got the game. You saw Mike break them. Give me his scores, everybody in the lab. Let me know who you think going to win these games this weekend. I'll come back and give some comments and thoughts. But thank you for listening to Inside HBC Sports Lab. Make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Kenyatta Cabell, the Dean of HBC Sports, coming from Inside the Lab in the College of HBC Sports with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. 
We hope you enjoyed Jamie Walker. Professor Walker joining us today. He did a great job, bang up job. We will bring him back, even though he questioned my little marches for a ranking. It was pretty good, though. We'll, we'll, we'll be fair. We'll bring him back. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Will's Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, every Tuesday and Thursday, 6 o'clock. For those looking for you, Jamie, I know you guessed on a couple of shows, but what is? how can people follow you in terms of your social media platforms? Uh, follow me on Twitter, at CoachWorkSports. No doubt. What game are you calling this week? I am calling the Morehouse game. Morehouse uh, homecoming for Valley. I'll be listening. Should be a good one. With that, we look forward to next week as we discuss the latest news in the lab. Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. That's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-H-C-A-V-I-L. Inside HBC Sports Lab 1 on Twitter, Facebook, inside the HBC Sports Lab, on YouTube as well. Like, subscribe. You know the deal. Dream big. Continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Jamie? Of course. Mike? Lecture. This Smith. I see you. Fantastic quiz. He's coming in college. He's going to see you. I see you.